The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. People would have been perplexed over the weekend about what on earth was happening as uh, the Wagner Group and their leader, Progozin, uh, was heading towards some form of mutiny against the military uh, in Moscow. And then we heard a deal had been done, he'd gone to Belarus and everything was fine. And yesterday, a Russian president has come out saying that the country's security services proved vital in stopping a civil war. And this, I suppose, is the first time, because no election is a threat to Putin after 23 years oscillating between president and de facto prime minister. Well, to tell us where this is headed for, because this is vital to the Ukraine conflict, uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome Jason Corcoran, uh, based in Dublin, but lived in Russia for many years and uh, an acknowledged expert in the field. First of all, uh, what, 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 what was the underlying tension that led to this aborted mutiny? Good morning. I think uh, paranoia is grippling the the Kremlin. And uh, I think what led to this in the first place was a lot of uncertainty about about the course of action in Ukraine and the leadership of the the defence ministry and of the army. And what we're seeing now is that the knives seem to be out for Putin as this paranoia is gripping the Kremlin. He doesn't know who to trust, Ivan. And it looks like some sort of purge may be starting. Um, today, there's unconfirmed reports that General Sergei Sirovkin, he led Russia's war for just three months until January, may have been arrested. Uh, Sirovkin was, he was arguably Prigozhin's closest ally in the army. Both of them had been scathing about the perform- performance of Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister, and it was Sirovkin who allegedly helped Wagner with their ammunition deficit in the battle for Bakhmut. And, um, and then you had U.S. intelligence services claiming that Sorovkin was a co-conspirator in this pooch against Putin. You'd think that this was a claim that would exonerate uh, Sorovkin in Putin's eyes, but it, it seems that maybe he, he has now been arrested. But what, what's, what's the beef here? Is it that they disagree with the Ukrainian conflict? Is it uh, they're not happy with the tactics and military performance? What, what, what is the, the sort of groundswell against it? I mean, like, in, in other words, if, if they agree with the war, what's their beef with Putin? Well, they think the, the, the army has been unprofessional. Uh, it has been, you know, in terms of its mobilisation, it's been a disaster. Uh, you have the ultra-nationalists who are incredibly critical of, of Putin and of Shoigu. They, they sense there's blood in the water after this failed coup. Uh, there's a guy called Igor Gurkin who was very much involved in the initial invasion in 2014 of eastern Ukraine. He's now calling for martial law throughout Russia. There were some measures that were introduced at the weekend for 24 hours which have now lapsed. He's also record, uh, calling for the restoration of the debt penalty uh, carry out full mobilization of military and labor throughout Russia and for Putin to legally transfer his powers if he can't finish the job in Ukraine. So they want to see tactical nuclear strikes today already in Ukraine and for this war to be tidied up. But what about the concept that Russia is a democracy with elections? Uh, well, it's a democracy only in, in name. It's a, a so called managed uh, democracy, which was the uh, the title which uh, Vladislav Surkov, uh, Putin's uh, eminence, Greece, came up with. So there's elections next year, but 
and they will be managed with the so-called sort of systemic opposition, they like to call them, the so-called liberals and the communists, who, you know, they just, they offer tacit support for everything and rubber stamp every single decree that Putin comes out with. So what does regime change in Russia look like? Regime change, I think, can only come from, from a coup. And this wasn't even a palace coup. This was somebody who was outside of the power structures. Yevgeny Prigozhin was, he was Putin's protege from, from being a hot dog seller in St. Petersburg. He made his way up uh, to uh, running restaurants in St. Petersburg and then parlayed that into uh, a, a trawl factory which uh, was attacking uh, the Americans during their democratic elections. And then eventually he was allowed, it was his idea to set up a mercenary army, but they were focused on overseas operations, special operations in Syria and in Central Africa. So this was new uh, when, he, when, when, when uh, Putin sent in Wagner at the beginning of, of, of this uh, invasion of Ukraine as cannon fodder. So they, typically they, they didn't operate on the near abroad, uh, Russia's, uh, sort of backyard. What, what's the future of the Wagner Group? Will they be subsumed into the Russian military? Like, I understand they were given a choice, you know, enrol or disappear. Yeah, they're, they're, they have three options. Uh, basically, they can go in exile to uh, Belarus with Prigozhin, and we still don't know whether Prigozhin is actually in Minsk, even though Alexander Lukashenko, who isn't the uh, to the most reliable source, claimed he arrived last night. And now there's been reports that he's flown back to Moscow for further negotiations. So his men can either join him in Minsk or wherever he is, or they can join the regular army, and they won't be paid as much, or they can disband. Um, so, but there's other reports suggesting that the Wagner Group is now setting up camp inside Belarus, about 650 kilometers from Moscow, halfway between Minsk and the border with Russia. So not that far away if they want to mount another challenge. So what do you think will happen? Um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Wagner are going to go quietly into the night, but it, it could be the end of uh, of Wagner as we know it. But the knives are definitely out for Putin, and yeah, there are others who could be waiting the wings, seeing that he's he's a weakened force and could be prepared to mount a challenge. I mean, there's. Uh, Prigozhin had other friends, and now uh, there's a lot of unease amongst these people thinking they could be part of the purge and they might decide to jump before they're purged. And what does all this play into the Ukrainian conflict, which from our perspective, you know, Russian politics and, and administration is interesting, but how it feeds into ending the conflict uh, or a negotiated settlement with Ukraine, where is that headed? I think on the near term, it might be wish fulfillment because we saw the absolutely horrible bombing yesterday in Kramatorsk, uh, where there was, I think, a, a, something like 11 people, including some teenage girls who were, who were killed instantly. So they're, they're not letting up yet on the battlefield. And I think Ukraine is making incremental gains. But, uh, but we like to think that if there is uh, a further rebellion within uh, the Kremlin, that it could only just weaken their hand, that they would have to come to some sort of negotiated settlement or some further truce, maybe something that we we saw between uh, North Korea and South Korea with a demilitarized zone uh, between the two countries. And who might broker that? 
that's uh, a, a very good question. Uh, I don't know who, who would be trusted. I mean, in the past, we've seen people like Roman Abramovich, uh, you know, uh, uh, oligarch who was close to Putin. He held negotiations before all happened with all these so-called genocide uh, in, in, in places like Bucha. He held talks in Istanbul, in Turkey, and in Berlin on behalf of Putin. And he's somebody who was actually trusted by Zelensky, uh, maybe because of their shared Jewish heritage. But uh, perhaps somebody like him could be an intermediary. Okay, Jason Corcoran, specialist uh, Russian analyst. Thank you indeed for those insights and analysis. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.